Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining me again today for another episode. In the last episode, I shared some things that Anna and I have been learning in parenting lately as we parent little kids. And in this episode, I want to talk about family discipleship in general and why it's so incredibly important. But first of all, let me say that we are always discipling our kids into something. All of us, whether we realize it or not, are leading our children to pursue a particular version of the good life. And the question is, is our idea of the good life informed and shaped by what God says to us in His Word? We all answer that question every single day, and the way we live our lives may give a different answer to that question than the one we would give if we were actually asked it. But again, the important thing I want to begin with in this episode is that we are all discipling our children all the time. We are all leading them to seek out a particular kind of life, and we need to think about what kind of life we are pointing them toward. A convicting question to consider is, based off of my life and my priorities, what would my kids say a good life consists of? Would it be lots of money or career advancement, no matter what it costs the family, good food and sports? Like I said, I think it's a very convicting question to wrestle with. And we might have a specific answer in our minds, but do our lives truly communicate that answer about what the good life looks like? And if not, and to a degree this is going to be true of every single one of us, but if not, may we humble ourselves and ask the Lord to bring our lives into greater and greater alignment with His precious Word. Another thing, I'm sure this comes as no surprise to you if you currently have kids in the house, but family discipleship is hard. It is messy, it's frustrating, and it often exposes our own sin as parents more than we'd like to admit. At the same time, though, family discipleship is oh so worth it. Most good books that you'd pick up on family discipleship these days, they all mention the way that in our day and age, In large part, we, and by we, I mean the contemporary American church, we have neglected this vital responsibility within the family, and it is having tragic results. There are countless so-called Christian students who are graduating from high school only to go off to college and abandon the faith. And through the years, I have become increasingly gripped by the desperate need for a recovery of deliberate and intentional family discipleship within the church and within Christian families. Now, of course, this isn't true of every single family. There are some really beautiful and encouraging examples of people who are doing family discipleship really well. So don't mishear me, but I think in large measure, we have neglected one of the most incredible ways that God desires to pour out His grace upon our families. And I believe there are rich and glorious blessings to be experienced as we devote ourselves to pursue this precious responsibility of family discipleship. 
And one wonderful resource I wanted to point your attention to for just a second is a book called A Neglected Grace, written by Jason Halopoulos. The subtitle is Family Worship in the Christian Home. But in this short little book, he casts a beautiful and compelling picture of the profound power of family worship, which is one of the vital pieces involved in family discipleship. But he graciously and helpfully discusses the obstacles that keep families from practicing family worship consistently, and he urges families to tackle those obstacles in reliance upon God and His grace. Most of all, though, he paints family worship as a beautiful and rich and meaningful part of life together as a family, something God desires for all of us to experience and to enjoy. Now, maybe this isn't something that's really a part of family life for you. That's okay. We all start somewhere. The good news is that we have something really good and really beautiful that we can grow up into and aspire to as we rely on God for help. But before we go any further, let me break things down a little bit more. So when I say family discipleship, what I mean is the entire process of intentionally and purposefully doing life together as disciples of Jesus within our families. Or, depending on where your children are spiritually, seeking to make everyone in the family a follower of Jesus. So family discipleship is the big, broad term that highlights our overall effort to live for Jesus as a family and to lead our children in the direction of obedience to Christ as the king over their lives. And two subcategories I like to think in terms of when talking about family discipleship are these. Number one is concentrated discipleship. What I mean by that is family worship in the home and corporate worship in the church. So concentrated discipleship, and then number two is continual discipleship. And continual discipleship is the ongoing, everyday opportunities for meaningful engagement with our kids, whether it's in car rides or having a meal or in the midst of conflict or anything that we experience as a family. So let me say first that there is a powerful relationship between these two things, between concentrated discipleship and continual discipleship. And if both are present in the life of our families, it's going to bring countless opportunities for God's grace to work powerfully in our hearts and relationships with each other. Both concentrated discipleship and continual discipleship empower and reinforce each other. And as this happens, the culture and atmosphere of our life together as a family will continually be shaped and influenced by the beauty and the transformative power of the gospel. And the potential for growth and change is massive when both of these things are working together and are being intentionally pursued at the same time. And of course, sin and brokenness will always be a big part of our lives this side of heaven. So we want to have realistic expectations. At the same time, though, God's grace truly does change us. And few things thrill God's heart as much as taking the brokenness of our family life and working wonders in the midst of it all. So if your family situation is a really hard one right now, remember that God's grace can bring healing to our relational brokenness within our families. 
Our families are never beyond the reach of God's amazing grace, and that should encourage our souls. Okay, so now let's think a moment or two about each one of these things individually, concentrated discipleship and continual discipleship. So let's take concentrated discipleship first. And again, by concentrated discipleship, I mean specifically family worship in the home and corporate worship with God's people. So family worship is as simple as reading a portion of Scripture, talking about it, and this can be very brief depending on the ages of your kids, singing a worship song or hymn, and praying together. Now, I said it's simple. It's simple in theory, but if you have young kids in practice, it may be anything but simple. But for real, that is it. You read, you sing, and you pray. And this concentrated discipleship time as a family provides an environment through which God delights to do incredible things. But remember this. More often than not, things will not seem so incredible. Family worship often feels very ordinary, and it doesn't seem like all that much is happening. But do not let appearances fool you. If you are gathering together as a family to purposefully dig into God's Word, to pray and to sing to the King of Kings, there is not much else that will make the devil as uneasy as family worship does. Coming before the Lord to seek Him as a family is so powerful. So ask God to give you faith to believe this and to be gripped by it in your hearts. So worshiping the one true God as a family is unspeakably powerful. And yet, like I said, so often it seems so uneventful. But here's typically what it looks like in the Owens household, just to give you an example. In the mornings, usually over a good old bowl of Cheerios, I will read a short portion of the Bible with the girls, and then we'll work through a handful of Bible verses that we're working on memorizing. I've got it printed out on sheets. It's one column. It's usually maybe six to eight verses each morning. But let me say that if your kids are young, you have got to try the Bible memorization stuff. Ann and I have been blown away at how much a little three-year-old can remember. Little Hattie, and now Ella Kate's starting to learn them pretty well too, but Hattie probably has 15 to 20 verses memorized just because of these short little times each morning. I started out saying the whole verse, and then I, later on I started reciting it, believing a few words blank to see if she could remember what word was supposed to be there. And now I can say the verse reference, and she can usually say the whole verse by herself. So it's, it's taken time to get there, but over time, that's kind of been the progression. And sometimes I have to get her started with the first couple of words, but still, she is doing an incredible job, and it's so neat to see as a parent. I should also say that at the same time, though, there were so many mornings when I didn't think she was paying attention to any of it. And then one random morning, she just says a whole verse without any help. So I share that just to say, keep at it. Persevere, even when you think it isn't doing a thing. And pray that God would cause it to bear fruit in the hearts of your kids. And then in the evenings, about 30 minutes before bedtime, we usually read a story from the Jesus Storybook Bible or some other book that's very similar. After that, we'll do the doxology I'll say a blessing over the kids, and then we recite the Lord's Prayer and pray together. And sometimes after we pray, we'll end with a worship song from church or a song from the New City Catechism. The girls really love those. 
but usually takes maybe 15 minutes or so, and sometimes it's a delightful experience, but there are also plenty of times when it's a very frustrating experience. But Anna and I are convinced it's worth it, so we keep on doing it. But these concentrated discipleship times are gifts from the Lord. And even when it's a frustrating experience, and as painful as it can be, it's a good thing to have your sin exposed. That's happened so many times for us. And yes, your sinfulness as a parent will often be exposed, even when you're trying to do something as important as family worship. And when it happens, it's convicting and it's humbling. But it's another opportunity to come before the Lord to express how desperately our sinful hearts need His grace to change. So family worship is the regular way that we engage in concentrated discipleship as families in the home. But corporate worship with God's people on Sunday mornings is another time of concentrated discipleship for our families. The worship service with its call to worship, the songs and the prayers, the confession of sin, the assurance of pardon, with the sacraments and the preaching of God's word, all of these things together are conduits through which God's grace flows into our hearts. And children, including very young children, even when we don't think they're getting much out of being in the service with us, are soaking things in like little sponges. Sure, they may not understand intellectually nearly as much as we do, but their little hearts and minds are being shaped in profound ways during the gathered worship of God's people. And what's more, when children are with us during the worship service, they are being exposed to one of the most powerful experiences they can witness, the wholehearted worship of the ones they look up to most, their mom and dad. So the opportunity this provides is massive when it comes to the spiritual formation of our kids. And make no mistake, our children learn from us how we ought to view church. If it's a chore for us and we're only there because we'd feel bad if we skipped, our children are going to pick up on that. And because of how this affects our children, I think it serves as a, a wonderful and regular reminder for us to impress upon our own hearts the incredible privilege that corporate worship is. And that helps us enter into it with greater joy and excitement, which is going to rub off on our kids over time. So these two pieces of concentrated discipleship, both family worship and corporate worship, spill over into continual discipleship, which includes all the ordinary and mundane moments of life in which we seek to take advantage of the opportunities we have throughout each day to worship the Lord and to talk about His goodness and grace together as a family. Now let me read Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. Here's what those verses say. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. So in these verses, verses 5 and 6 begin with a call for each one of us to personally enjoy our relationship with the Lord and to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to obedience to His Word. We must personally do this because we can't pass on to our children something we're not enjoying ourselves. 
Our joy in the Lord must be filled up in order for it to spill over into the lives of our children. And then verse 7 tells us how we're to go about discipling our kids. And what we learn from this verse is that it's a responsibility that is ever-present and comprehensive in scope. We are to do it everywhere and all the time. We are to teach our children how to live for Jesus every moment of every day in every single sphere of life. That is the massive task that God gives to us as parents. But thankfully, God promises to be with us as we undertake it. He blesses our imperfect efforts at parenting, and He works in the hearts of our little precious kids. And although He calls for great diligence and hard work on our part as parents, we know that our hope does not ultimately rest in our performance. No, we obey out of love for God and out of gratitude for His grace, but our ultimate hope rests in nothing else than His unfailing love for us. That is our great hope when it comes to parenting. Now, of course, there's so much more we could say about these things, but I think we'll call it quits there for now. But I hope that this has encouraged you in some small way to make a continual pursuit of Jesus the highest priority of your life together as a family. No matter the ages of your kids, think about ways you could begin or continue weaving gospel-centered conversations into your weekly rhythms together as a family. And most of all, delight yourselves in the Lord, knowing that the most powerful way you can influence your children is to have your soul happy in Christ. And by God's grace, the happiness you find in Him will lead your kids to find in Him as well. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Informed and Inflamed. I hope it's been encouraging to you, and I look forward to connecting with you again next time.